and welcome to NDIS Know How, a podcast series that asks parents how they get the very best NDIS plan and ample funding to support their kid. I'm Melanie Dimmitt, a freelance writer and the author of Special, Antidotes to the Obsessions that Come with a Child's Disability. As a parent to my five-year-old son, Arlo, who has quadriplegic cerebral palsy and epilepsy, I know firsthand how hard it can be to navigate the NDIS. But gosh darn, am I grateful that this financial support is available to our family. Around four years ago, Australia's National Disability Insurance Scheme rolled out across the country and, for the first time, people with disability and their families received funds to be used as they saw fit, on therapies, supports and equipment. While still relatively new and far from perfect, the NDIS has the potential to be life-changing for families like mine. But as a participant, or a parent of a participant like me, you've got to know how to make it work. In this, the first episode of our NDIS Know How series, I'll be chatting with Georgia White, a working mum whose six-year-old daughter Rosie has a rare genetic condition called Rett syndrome. So if you can imagine the symptoms of autism, cerebral palsy, Parkinson's, epilepsy and an anxiety disorder all in one little girl, um, that's unfortunately what Rett syndrome is. Georgia and her husband, Tom, live in Sydney with Rosie and her two-year-old sister, Marlo. The newest member of their family is Rosie's assistance dog, Goose. He's the most gorgeous, beautiful golden retriever who sheds hair like it's snowing doggy glitter. <laughs> that's, that's us. Rosie is now on her third NDIS plan, one that covers the majority of her daily therapy and significant support needs. So I was mighty keen to chat with Georgia about how she advocated her way to this happy place. We are so happy with the support that Rose receives now. Like, it's wonderful to know that she has the right equipment and the right support that, you know, means she can, you know, be confident going to school and and be happy, um, you know, doing the things that she wants to do. That's so good to hear. I'd really love to know your advice on preparing for an NDIS planning meeting for your child, especially for parents who are new to the space. What do you have to do as a parent or how can you best set yourself up for that meeting to get the funds that you need for your child? Probably the best bit of advice I could give anyone, which is is really heartbreaking um, to have to do, but Um, you really need to describe to the planner that you're meeting with what your child is like on on his or her worst day. And, you know, it goes against everything as a parent that we uh, want to do. We want to talk about our child and how funny they are and how much they've learned. But instead, you, you, you have to go into these meetings and you have to talk about the anxiety they have, the tantrums, their inability to look after themselves, their their inability to look after their own self-care needs like toileting and, and hygiene. And, and you have to talk about how that they're not able to function in the community and, you know, things like that, which, which is just awful because, you know, on their best day, that's, that's not how they are. But um, unfortunately, you know, the system really needs to know how hard it can be 
for you to be really taken seriously you as a parent listen to and and for you know a planner on the other end of of the call or or in the meeting to to really get on board with the amount of of needs that your family needs to to really support your child yeah it sucks that we have to do that but you're so right just in terms of things that you can kind of physically prepare like notes that you can have Mm. to hand we did like a weekly schedule for Arlo and put minute by minute the support he needs and the therapy he does throughout the week did you do something similar like what kind of paperwork or notes did you bring with you I I did I prepared a word document which it was really a day in the life of, of Rosie I did minute by minute as well and it was focused on all of the support that she needed so I did it from you know the moment she wakes up you know she calls out for for mum and dad and you know I described the times that she's waking up through the night and how she needed someone to you know change her nappy and reposition her in bed and and you know lift her out of bed and take her to the the living room and put her in her chair and prepare her breakfast and you know, take the breakfast to her, feed the breakfast to her, give her her tablets, you know, the time that it takes for her to actually swallow her medicine. These are things that it's not like you can just walk into the living room and hand your child a bowl with wheat bix in it and then leave and go and have a shower and get ready for work. I have to sit with my daughter and you know, make sure that she chews and swallows the three tablets plus the liquid medicine plus the the wheat bix and you know if, if you look at it minute by minute this is this is taking me you know 45 minutes a day yeah I found it a really good document because I think there was no escaping what that reality was it's sort of written down and and I think as a parent it also gives you confidence that you know this is not normal this is not what the average family is needing to do in in their day and and that gives you the confidence to to go into that planning meeting and and really confidently be able to say that your child needs more support. Other paperwork you'll want to be preparing for your planning meeting might include reports from your child's therapy providers. You'll also need to show scientific evidence of why specific intensive therapies will be beneficial for your child. Yes, we, we fought that same fight. I, um, you know, I learned a new skill set searching for scientific journal articles. Georgia has kindly sent one of those articles to me and I'll include a link to it in the show notes. We were sort of petitioning the NDIS from a number of different points of view. So we were asking for um, funding for intensive therapies, but we were also asking for funding for support workers. Georgia got it. She's now able to hire physiotherapy students as disability support workers. What that meant was, because we're self-funded, we can choose how we spend that money. So the way in which we have been able to, to make our funds stretch a bit further is by having, you know, formal therapy like physiotherapy and OT. We might have that once a week but we will sort of pad out our week. We've had a a physio student working with Rosie for the past year and a half. Um, And so the cost for a physio student is a lot less per hour than a formal, fully qualified uh, physiotherapist. And likewise, 
you know, we could have a home therapy program written by the OT and physio with, you know, simple exercises to do around the house that the support workers could follow as well. So rather than having, you know, multiple physiotherapy sessions through the week, we could have, you know, someone else um, do that work and, and make the fun stretch a bit further. Yes, you get a bit creative. Would you advise them? Because when we did our first plan, we were told not to be self-managed. The advice that the NDIS people gave us was don't. And I then learned for us, it's been so much better to be self-managed. What what would your advice be there? Yeah, I mean, look, I work as a project manager in my day job. And, you know, I, I guess I'm probably a bit of a control freak. I like to sort of plan things out. So for me, it's a bit of a no-brainer being self-funded. But I, I do think being self-funded gives you flexibility. It's hard finding the right resources to work with with your child anyway. And so, you know, adding um, extra barriers by limiting who you can go with, to me, just didn't make sense. Yeah. And you do get used to it. It's a heck of a lot of admin. Like, I feel like I've got a full-time job paying invoices, applying for funds and things, but I think it's definitely worth it um, for the flexibility and the control, like you say. Yeah, exactly. And look, I think for families that have two parents at home, you know, I highly recommend that, you know, the task of managing the NDIS invoicing and plan is allocated to to one parent and then you can work out all of the other worst uh, jobs in the house, like picking up dog poo and (laughs) ironing and all of those things. And then the other parent has to do all of those jobs. My husband, um, he says, we've just got a good rhythm at the moment. I think that's a really good way of putting it. Like we've finally got to a point where we've got funding that works. We've got generally a pretty, um, you know, good team of, of therapists and support workers. And, you know, it's quite flexible, but, but it just is working, which is, is a really nice position to be in. And without the NDAS, we, we wouldn't be in this position. Thank you to Georgia White for sharing her wisdom on how to best prepare for and get the most out of your child's NDIS plan. And thank you for listening. Catch you next time on NDIS Know How.